Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. In today's show, we chat with our buddy Tom Reddington. Tom tells us some classic guiding stories from his days at Lake Fork. He gives us some great tips on vibrating jigs, and he tells us why fishermen are so much like detectives. Hope you guys enjoy the show. But before we go any further, I want to tell you guys that this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Hercules Tires, the official tire of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. I've personally trusted the Hercules TerraTrack AT2 and Power ST2 to get my truck and boat trailer to every event around the country safely for the past two years. These tires are long-lasting, quiet on the road, and most importantly, incredibly reliable. If you're in the market for a new set of trucker trailer tires, head over to HerculesTires.com and see why these tires are such an incredible value. You can also find out more by following Hercules Tires on Facebook or Instagram at Hercules Tires. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode. Uh, we are excited. We've got an awesome interview coming up with Tom Reddington, uh, MLF Big Five Pro. Uh, he's hosted a bunch of TV shows, former guide. He was really entertaining. But before we do that, I want to go around the table, introduce the guys as always, and see what's going on. Um, Rob, let's start with you, because I can tell Nick's chomping at the bit, so let's make him wait a little bit longer. Rob, what's going on with you, man? <laughs> Not a whole lot other than just talking to you guys out of going fishing. Um, I feel like I'm the... Yo, wet blanket. Hey, we should have listened, because we still went, but we went to a different lake and we blanked, so we should have... Yeah, I guess we... I know. I just got to get off this iPhone app, weather app, because it's It's the most accurate bogus. one on the market, bro. Dude, for a week, it's saying... <laughs> That it's going to rain 90 to 100% on Friday, which they were 100% correct, but not until like 5 p.m. And it rained for like an hour. So, yeah, I need to get off that. We were going to go film and fish and do all kinds of cool stuff. Would have been a perfect day. And uh, I blew it. So, my bad, dude. But, yeah, hopefully we can get out um, this next week one day. That'd be awesome. Maybe we can sneak out on Monday. That would be great. Yeah. You yep. totally redeemed yourself with that beautiful shirt that no one can see, though. I mean, you dressed to impress today. I know our our That's guest was just blown away, dude. You look great. Yeah, yeah, definitely best dressed other than you have the <laughs> Angler's Happy Hour hoodie on. How can I be the best dressed then? Stand up, Nick. Exactly. Just, just in case this gets on YouTube at some point, uh, maybe you should stand up and show the listeners or yes, viewers in that case what that looks like. If you're just listening, just know that it looks amazing. And you can buy it on our website right now. It feels, it's so soft. I feel like a hundred baby seals were sacrificed in the making of this. And they're just like caressing me. My upper torso is just being caressed right now. That makes me At least we're not going overboard here. (laughs) And they can be yours for the low, low price of, just kidding. What well, uh, what have you been up to this week before uh, our day Friday, man? You had one other uh, day of fishing, and uh, you've got to tell Rob and the listeners about this day. Dude, yeah. Rob, I, and I wanted to keep it a secret from Josh because he was such a good friend. He was calling me on the way home, and I was doing everything I could not to tell him just how stupid and dumb it went, but he got it out of me. But... You, te- you can't tease me the way you said it. You know, He's like, dude, it was a day. It was a day. I'm just going <laughs> to – I'm going to say it for the podcast, but oh my God, it was a day. Let's like, hear you it. You can't say that and then not tell someone what happened. Dude, I feel like, you know, there's no surprise, no secret that uh, I love Sturgill Simpson. Like he's just my, my go-to, my favorite music. 
Um, it's funny, Tom talked about, or no, you did, Rob, about having one CD that you you pepper. Well, that dude, my poor kids have heard those two bluegrass albums that he sneak released this year millions of times. But he has a song where uh, he calls himself King Turd up on SHIT Mountain. And dude, I just feel like King Turd, bro. Like, I just, no matter what I do, I'm just the King Turd. And uh, if you want it, you can have the crown. It's because you buy turds. <sighs> Yep. Touche. Touche. So, you know, we had the Noah's Ark flooding event and I got my boat out of my mud pit of a backyard and I got it in the driveway and I made sure to, you know, charge the batteries and everything was going to be great. And uh, this was on Tuesday, went out there that morning and something happened, dude. Batteries weren't charged, didn't get to go. Super disappointed. I was still using the trickle charger. I'll just accelerate this. So I finally got out on Wednesday and that was the day after all the weather. So it was like just sunny and cold. And I go all the way to the lake thinking that everything was going to be fine with batteries. I put my other charger on it because I wasn't using the trickle charger. I was using, I have just a one I use on all my dead turd vehicles that Josh just pointed out. So I was a thousand percent confident. Like it fired in the driveway. Like we're going to the lake. I'm even bringing the dog, even though it's 45 degrees, she's going to be fine. I said, dude, I went to Canyon, of course. And uh, I pull up there and it's blowing like 340 miles an hour out of the east. It's just like, it's just like a wind tunnel, man. I felt like I was going to be doing like aerodynamics testing or something. <laughs> and so it's all good, man. Like boat's going to perform great. I'm finally fishing. I don't care. I'm not going to catch anything. I never do anyways. I suck. So I get it off the trailer, fires up totally sounded a little weird but i thought maybe it was just because it was cold you know it didn't totally want to start but it did and uh so i i let it idle i drove up to the spot and i had you know and all this anticipation for swim baits i went and spent you know i i paid my tithing of like 300 bucks for more gear and everything and so i got i got a bunch of nice new huddlestons ready to throw and dude my first cast i just freaking bird's nest this reel just boom, just explodes, right? New line thrown into the wind. I suck. And it's just like an atom bomb in the reel. So I'm like, ah, oh. so dude, I'm picking line and I'm picking line. And the wind is just, meanwhile, I I'm going like a hundred miles an hour backwards. So I'm trying to like hold the spot, pick line, hold the spot. Then all of a sudden my trolling motor stops working and I'm like, ah, oh, dude. And then I thought, Oh, I know why it's not working. It just swallowed. 300 feet of line and uh that's oh, what's going on so fresh new line yeah oh, 25 yeah. pound test too yeah so is like, that your I, best bite of the day oh hands down yeah only and best <laughs> so i needless to say i set the hook no so so i'm like okay like this this went from sucking pretty bad to have you know like a brand new 30 dollar bait just dragging on the bottom and now it's snagged in my trolling motor like i'm probably gonna lose the bait my trolling motor is inoperable then I look up and dude, the wind is just pushing me into the bank. Like we're coming in hot. So I'm like, gosh, like this just sucks. So I think, okay, I'll just fire the big motor and, and idle off. Oh, big motor doesn't work. The battery is totally dead. There's no life. You know, Houston, we have no life on this planet. So then, then it hits me like, oh, I'm up a creek right now. Like I'm coming in hot on all the boulders on that. How bank. long do you think you have, dude, before you're on the bank? Maybe like. It looked like less than a hundred feet, but I probably had like, you know, 200 feet, 150 feet. That closes but, quick when it's blowing like that. I mean, that's oh, like 30 seconds. 
dude, waves are coming over the back. I mean, it was, it was windy. So then it's like the frantic, like, I got to cut this effing line out of my trolley motor. Like it went from like, uh, nothing's going to get me down. I'm going to just roll with the punches to like, help me Opal Renfrey. Like it's, it's going down. So I'm like cutting line out of the trolley motor and like ripping it out like a madman. And I get it out and I get the trolley motor down, put it on a hundred. And I like, I missed it by a couple boat lengths, but not by much, dude. Like it was, it was about to get ugly. Hilarious. And then I just, I had a little pity party. I got all mad and I stormed around. I should have broke my rod over my knee like they used to do in baseball. That would have been cooler, but <sighs> dude, just more trials and tribulations. And that was the end of the day. Yeah, I was over by that point because then I just didn't have any confidence. I'm like, well, it's blowing so much. If I get blown past the ramp, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Dang. Like, it's going to be – I'm going to sleep down by the dam. Did you lose the Huddleston? Uh, no, I didn't. I nice. actually lost the Huddleston on Friday with Josh when we witnessed a National Geographic moment where a trout skipped like four times out of the water before getting swallowed. Really? And I was like, there he is. I'm about to finally catch my 19 pounder. Let me just launch this Huddleston. And I went to launch and I had a nick in my line or something, dude. And it just went tink. And that was the end of that. Wow. So have you caught a fish out of there this winter? Uh, no. Have I caught a fish at all this winter? Dude, no, I out of blanked Canyon. at Falcon, blanked Can't. at Canyon, blanked at Saguaro. Dude, I'm I'm Nick Blank. His hey, the only fish he's caught this winter <laughs> are the Barbie rod fish. Nice. When we went and filmed, I'm not. Uh, that's not my Barbie point. Rod. My point is, is like you got to stop going to those lakes. Start going to a lake. Yeah, he's setting himself up. He's trying to get a big right. fish, and I get it. But like, I you can't. It. And he's got a good attitude about it. But you can't get bummed when you don't catch anything. Uh, you know, throwing a big bait like that on those lakes. Right. My expectations are so microscopically small that if I actually showed up to the lake, backed my boat off the trailer, mechanically performed flawless and caught nothing and had a sandwich and talked to my dog for four hours, I'd be like, this is like the best day of the month. I can't even pull that off right now, dude. That you're is the like, perfect, you're the perfect guide client. Well, I think my homie and Falcon yeah. would uh, <laughs> attest to that. <laughs> there you go. Right on. Well, so, hey, dude, hopefully you've got it sorted out. Hopefully next time you go to the lake, you've got your battery situation rectified. Hey, uh, I told Nick, this is embarrassing, dude, but I had switched a, a battery out. I, I got nervous about running a lithium battery on my cranking side. We talked about the lithium. So I ended up switching my cranking battery to AGM and I'm keeping the lithium on the trolling batteries, but I had swapped that out. And uh, I took my boat into the shop uh, to have one more thing added to it this week. And, you know, I have to trim my motor down to get it into the garage. And I trim it up when I come out of the garage. Well, I go to trim it up to go to Bass Pro and it's not nothing. It's just dead. Deafening so, silence. Exactly. Ever. So I end up having, dude, it's, it's, you know, it's cold morning. It's 40 degrees or whatever. And I'm out front. It's 7 a.m digging in the battery compartment for 15 minutes and I can't, I'm checking all the fuses. I'm like, I must've touched the cables together accidentally when I was doing the battery and popped a fuse in the motor or something. I'm checking everything. There's no extra wires. Like I didn't, I, there's, I can't figure out what it is. So I just trim the hydraulic jack plate all the way up and drive it to Bass Pro with the motor all the way down. And uh, I get it there and, uh, the uh, tech goes in, in the back and, and starts looking. He digs around for like one minute and then just starts chuckling. 
And I'm like, ah, here we go. You know, what did I do? <laughs> yeah. And uh, sure enough, one of the leads had sucked its way back into the rubber, you know, cap that keeps the uh, terminal from being exposed, you know, uh, just the safety cap or whatever. It just sucked back in there to where I, I couldn't see it. But uh, I, I just like, uh, oh, I get think, it. You would yeah. be, you <clears throat> think I'd be smart enough. And I noticed when I connected, I'm like, oh, that's weird. There's only three reds going to the positive and four, four going to the negative. But uh, you th- would have thought I would have, that would have tipped me off to something, but. Anyways, um, we're complete idiots when it comes to boats. But now my boat's ready to go. I'm ready to fish. I'm, I'm going to have a suit here in a couple of days for the AZ Open and then straight to Redcrest in Texas from there. So uh, next episode we do, I'll be mobile and uh, we'll keep them rolling like always, but be out of the cave and actually we'll, we'll have some real uh, you know tournament action to talk about again, which would be a nice change. Uh, it's but, gonna be a good time, man. A yeah. Red crest for a red beard. You're gonna win that this year, dude. Yeah, I would. I would like that, dude. Three hundred grand. That would be sweet. Then you can. I'd finally... shave my beard, dude, if I win that tournament. <laughs> oh. I haven't shaved it in ten years. There we go. Now oh, I'm trying to up the odds. Maybe I can actually win. <laughs> so you're going in the right direction with with bold moves like that. <laughs> uh, but hey. Uh, We've got a great interview coming up with Tom. Uh, a couple uh, quick housekeeping things. Uh, we really appreciate all the Q and A. We're holding hold, we're holding them off since we have such a good interview, but we've got a bunch already. So everyone that sent a question in, we haven't had the chance to get back to everybody. But thank you for sending them. You're entered in the contest for the Hercules tires. We've got one more week. We are going to announce the winner next week. Um, so you've got one more week to send the questions in. Send them to us. You can email them to us uh again, what's our email address nick i always forget dude yeah so the new school is info at anglers it's pretty confusing there you go right on yeah i don't know i don't know why i forget that um you can send it to us on instagram at anglers happy hour facebook at anglers happy hour drop it in the comment section on itunes in the review section or drop it in a comment uh, on one of our youtube videos and we will find that we'll add you to the list and then we'll shout out the winner uh next week but if you guys don't have anything else let's swing it over to tom Man, everyone, have a good week. Thank you for listening, and uh, it's a great interview. You're going to love it. All right, Tom. Welcome to the podcast, dude. Thanks for taking some time out on a uh, early morning, man. What uh, is going on your way? Not a whole lot. Uh, a little cold front coming through Texas here, so we had a little warm-up, and I think the cold weather is getting here on its way to a number of us that head to Florida to kick off the season. I mean, all the tournaments are there, so it's building up now, headed that way, and I'm stopping at the bit to get back over there and start fishing myself. That's always good. A nice cold front to start the year in Florida, man. That's just, <laughs> just like every single year. Have you ever hit it? Have you ever gone down there and hit it on the nose where the weather was just right? No, no, it was a couple of years before I started on tour. was that one that, uh, at Okeechobee where it was just a massive wave where just everything in life moved up. And then like 30 pounds was kind of just to get you a, a check sort of deal. <laughs> And, you know, so I read about that one before I go down there, expect, man, everybody's going to blast him. And I don't think it's ever happened since. I think the only other time in history is the time that, uh, you know, Rojas had his 45 pounds. I think those are the only two, <clears throat> only two times in recorded history where it's worked out in Florida. <laughs> that one sounded unbelievable, dude. That, that sounded absolutely magical, uh, that, that tournament where he had that. Like, there were dudes that had, you know, were, were bringing in 10-pounders and they weren't even, you know, getting pictures <laughs> taken. Crazy. Everybody talks about that every time. Every time we go down there, all the chatter, you know, that is 
it's a typical tournament. Man, they could move up, could move up. Yeah, could they win the lottery ticket too, but probably not. Yeah. Were you if down they, there last week? Was I down there last week? Yeah, I, I spent right before uh, cutoff and pre-practice. They switched. There's only two days of uh, practice now. So, obviously, you can't – somewhere like Okeechobee, you just have to ride it and see it. So, I was planning on spending a few days, and it's warm, and, it's, you know, it keeps on biting a little better. So, yeah, I stayed down there almost a week and really hated to leave. If, if it wasn't off limits, I'd still be down there. No kidding. That's cool. That's cool. If they went later in the year, would it uh, would it be better fishing? Because they always go in January just because it's cold everywhere else. Is it uh, – if they went in February or March, would it be better? I think it would be. You know, the thing is, I've always been there in January and February. And last year with COVID, uh, a few of the tours went later, and they seem to catch them pretty well. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's a little more susceptible to cold fronts now. It'll probably be a better event. Yep. Yeah. We went in May last year, and uh, it wasn't good for me, but it was good for a lot of folks. And, like, <laughs> I think it was better over, like, like I think there were more solid fish caught, like, across the field. It was pretty pretty good, but, dude, it was hot. Like, a couple of the afternoons, like, you'd have these storms, like, rolling through, right? And, like, it would rain, and then the sun would come out, and it would be so hot and muggy, and there'd be no wind. And literally, uh-huh. like, I remember – on one of the period breaks a couple of the period breaks sitting there like just needing shade and like <laughs> i wanted to crawl under the console or crawl into the rod locker and sit in the shade it was so hot and muggy like they literally made a rule where you could run the boat around just to get some air uh on the break i'm not wow. kidding dude like we were getting texts like if you want to drive around during the break you can uh it was the boat officials were just sitting there and they had to, it was COVID protocol. So they had to have their masks on and there were these black <laughs> cloth masks. <laughs> uh, that's one for so the, the ages. The fishing is good, but like, it's, I don't know if it's, I don't know what that cutoff date needs to be to go down there. Like maybe the second, second week of May or something like that. I think we went the first week of June and it was unbelievably hot. <laughs> Uh, Dude, the, hey the, Tom, go ahead, Nick. I was just say so the locals that fish there probably just are on right at sunrise and off within like the next hour or two after that because I mean they keep fishing, right? Probably, dude, or they're yeah. just prunes, you know, and they're yeah. just used to it. <laughs> uh, but I was going to ask you, Tom, what does like what does your off season look like, dude? What uh, what have you been up to for the last couple months? normally there's more of an off season, you know, it's, uh, that's the time to do the promotional work and, and, and guide some of the past this year. So I did the, uh, Toyota series. It stretched into the fall and it was one event a month, but I did that plains. We're at table rock and, uh, Dardanelles, uh, like those arcs. It was fun. It was kind of nice where you could fish and it, but I never, if you have a three month layoff, you kind of get out of it and you concentrate on some other things. And this year it just kind of stayed in, fish mode and then the boat so i couldn't get rid of my boat until so late i switched boat brands and got my boat in late so it seemed like there's never really been a layoff it's just That's been kind stressful. of slow yeah just a slow uh continual season gotcha yeah I, well so yeah I, i'm like chomping at the bit to fish dude but you're just kind of making sure that everything's in order yeah because you did fish a lot later my last big tournament was like the first week of october but uh you guys, did you fish into December, man? Yeah, and every, everybody says, uh, you can't complain. You're, you're, you know this. Your buddies, uh, you say, 
it, it sucks getting a new boat every year. And nobody wants to hear that, right? Like, seriously, you get a new boat every year. But it is a pain. It takes weeks by the time you coordinate all the equipment coming in and then get it all working. And, you know, it, it, half your, your boat is wiring and uh, computers. And those are the two things that are the hardest to set up right. you got to coordinate the wrap. And, and everything's got to be in concert. And then you have it for the start date. And it's just, it's a, logistically, it's a nightmare. If we could run in two or three years, it would just be way easier. I'm with you on that, dude. It's your boat's like never better than when you sell it. Like it's finally everything's completely <laughs> dialed, in. dialed in and you're <laughs> just giving it to this this dude where you're like, oh man, you are lucky. You know, you got this yeah. <laughs> this perfect boat. You know, it's it's perfectly set up and and dialed in. It might have like 350 hours on it and bounced off a few rocks and driven on the 40,000 miles on the interstate, but she's a beauty. <laughs> yeah. I think it's more abuse on the interstate than it does on the water, I swear. I mean, those yeah. potholes, and go to the Potomac or up to uh, Champlain, upstate New York, and goes around D.C. or something. I mean, those those potholes are like craters. It is <laughs> unbelievable. It's the lake, and it's, you know, you, you make a two-mile run up to the from the ramp, and putting around at 45 and that interstate that's that's where all the damage comes in that's a good point that's a lot of vibration dude you look back there and the head of your trolling motor is going like that like a chatterbait dude <laughs> oh, yeah. for for 2,000 miles it's like how does it even work when you get to where you're going yeah we can play because it, they don't work every you know once a tournament you'll have a trolling motor problem or a graph goes out or something like you said anything else the pounding you're going across champlain and lake erie and raver and huge waves what's worse it's that one foot shot that we didn't think twice about. So you just send it at seven miles an hour. And it's just like you said, like a chatterbait. <laughs> Your laptop onto the front of that boat. Oh, I swear to God, the G's have to be 15, like G's or something. You couldn't survive up there. Your laptop would be toast in what one, you know, one hour. If that, that's a great point. That's a great point, dude. How, how well the stuff is built. Yeah. I, I mean, it's remarkable. It doesn't break every tournament. It's, it's, yeah, I always say like, and and your engine too. Like, imagine having. A, I know they're built a little differently, but imagine <laughs> just getting in your truck and pegging it to six thousand <laughs> RPMs for an hour straight, dude. Hundreds of hours. <laughs> It'd be unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, wait, uh, that's the worst. That's, that's not how you guys drive. <laughs> if you ain't first, you're last. That's right. Yeah. The worst, and I call you guys the same way every morning. That I mean, and it. If it's maybe if it's like 32 degrees or something, you let the thing warm up for like two seconds, but I mean, you're cold and it's, you let that sit, thing sit there and it's always on the trailer. You're not quite deep enough. And like Josh said, it's two seconds of warm up. There's not even oil in the, the bottom of the pan. And it's just like, whoa, I'm just 6,000 RPMs trying to get it off there. And if you're strong, you know, you're all wound up a tournament day and you can't get off the trailer, people are waiting for you. I mean, you're sitting there just max stomping on it trying to get off the trailer and it's stuck the carpet still oh man it's, it's amazing we don't blow up in the morning that's the truth 100 percent uh dude let's bring it back you you mentioned you're guiding a little bit man i know you don't do much anymore like you went you went full-time tour pro in what 2008 2009 yeah yeah okay how when did you transition from guiding into that and uh you, you guided at lake fork for the most part right Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, so I worked in the corporate world for like 10 years. I grew up in the Midwest and uh, I kept, every promotion I kept about getting moved farther north and the fishing was fun. Uh, I lived in Milwaukee for a while. I lived in Madison. 
and they don't have like Champlain or those type of lakes, but every one's like a thousand acre Champlain or something. There's, I mean, the, the large mouths are ridiculous. Like easy, the small mouths are, are like fighting over your bait. So it is fun. The problem is you can only fish part, part of the year. So 99, I moved to Texas. Uh, 2004, I quit and started guiding full time. So I, I guided for about, oh, 10, 12 years on Fork. And then 2008, I started fishing the tour, you know, mix that in. And then it just got to the point where uh, it, it's the craziest part is the more successful you get fishing, the less fishing you do. You start doing more promotional stuff. And it's all like guys like KVD and Ike, they could literally be in an academy opening or a, a boat show or something every day of the year. So, I mean, you never fish except tournament days. So, yeah, it, the guiding kind of phased out in the last few years. I do very little of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> It's a rewarding thing. It's also a uh, a massive grind. But I always I look at the guiding scene at Lake Fork. It's one of the most unique like guiding scenes in the country because it's so competitive. There's it's such a good lake. But like I mean, what's it like uh, guiding with that being your main lake, man? Like like what were your typical clients like? And and you know were, were you friends with all the other guides? Were there major rivalries? <laughs> Yeah, the, the guys, I mean, that's a whole other story. It's a lot of clips. Yeah, well, yeah. That, here we go. It's your platform. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the story, it's not as bad. The striper guys are the one I hear about, like Tex Elman stuff, where new guys get their tires slashed. And no way, dude. Big, oh, yeah. I mean, it, that's that's really for keeps with the striper guys. So bass fishing, you know, we just, uh, it's more like mean girls and, and uh, just, just, just gabbing and talking about each other and stuff. Oh yeah, the stuff that's said. I mean, it's it's horrible. But you know, it Fork is a neat melting pot because it's truly internationally. You have like Taki Hero, a number of the Japanese pros have come in there, and like Rojas was in the area, uh, Jay Yellis. I mean, guys from all over the country. Kind of now, everybody goes to Alabama, places like that. But Fork was really a a hotbed, and it was always like Disneyland. I, I read about it in Bassmaster. It's where everybody wanted to go to catch that giant fish. So guide customers, I mean, you're talking about the most unrealistic, unrealistic <laughs> expectations. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's everybody came and it's, uh, and a lot of these guys deer hunt. So, so nothing against deer hunters, but with the, some of the high fence and the feeders and stuff, they know where the big deer are. You pay a, a fee to get on the ranch, but if you can pay the trophy fee, like you, you sit there a week and they know there's this 180 it's uh, deer coming in. Like sooner or later, if you have the twenty thousand dollar check to stroke for that, you're gonna be able to shoot that deer. Fishing, I mean, I, you, you got get guys in the boat that would say, "Hey, man, thousand dollar tip if you give me a, a ten pounder." Like, dude, if I know where a ten pounder is, like, you don't have to give me a tip. We're, I mean, we're running. We're gonna start that mercury again, race it off the off the trailer, see if we can't blow it up. We're gonna go right to it. Like, I don't oh, yeah. give a ten pounder a big tip. So, so, uh, and I think I, I heard on your podcast the other day about setting expectations with guide customers. It's like you, you never admit that you're, you're catching them well, and it's always you kind of try to sell them on the realistic expectations. And, and the worst part of it is, like if you have a sales job or if you're a major league baseball player, any other job, you hit four home runs a day before, you can kind of coast. If you're Aaron Rodgers, you pass for 500 yards, five TDs, like you lose the next game or something, eh, it's all right. We're, you know, <laughs> yeah, we're, that's true. And fishing, you can go out and, and catch five, ten pounders a day before, and you got, you know, it is. I got your guy customer the next day is like, that's a great story. So where are mine? I mean, there's no, 
there's no residual. He doesn't care. And nor would I if I went down there. So it, it <laughs> but it, it prepares you for tournament fishing. The pressure of the daily having to perform. I mean, I, I met so many great guys. And the first time I went to Fork was a guy trip. And these guys, a lot of them, they've saved up the whole year. They've been snowbound in Wisconsin or Boston. I mean, they dreamed about this. This is their one sure. break from cabin fever. I mean, these are hardcore fishermen. They they fish all the time in the Midwest. Their biggest fish ever is like five or six pounds. I mean, you so want these guys to catch a big one. And that's always the day that sucks. I mean, you just don't <laughs> yeah. want them to catch it. And it, it, I mean, you feel like you let them down. I mean, you really, I mean, you get invested. I mean, some of these guys you fish with yearly, they become like friends. And I mean, you really want them to do well. And that, the pressure of that, of letting somebody else down when that's a big day for them. If I go out and go catch them at a tournament, I mean, I'm not happy. I might try to rip the steering wheel off the truck on the way home, but it's like, I let myself down. You're not, you're not letting down these guys and you can just see it. You know, you just see it in their eyes. It's like, oh man, they understand a slow day, but if you catch them, I mean, it's a, it's a cool deal. So it it, it was definitely a a, a fun experience, probably kind of burn out on it a little bit now, but uh, I mean, it's, it's a great way to prepare for the tournament grind. Did you have any, like, off the top of your head, Tom, any clients that the stars did align that you can remember in, like, you just had, like, a glorious day or someone did deserve and get them, or does it all just blur after this much time? No, you get a few that, and like I said, it's the guys that you want to catch them. It's never like you root against one, but I had uh, three sons and their, their dad. I mean, great guys and stuff, but they were IT guys, didn't really fish, showed up with, I mean, it was the the stereotypical crappie gear. I mean, they had light duty spinning rods and this massive front was coming in. And the day before we got on a trap bite and you just fling it out there and you couldn't help but catch them. And they, and they smashed them. The next day, it's the day after the front, which is typically a slower bite, but you're going to catch the big ones. And we were in a Creek channel bend and it's a, and they're flooded uh, cider, cedar trees where it's just cover all around and it's a crap shoot. And this guy takes, throws a rattle trap between two of them and it's a minefield of all these cedar trees throws it in there like 10 pound mono on, on a light duty one <laughs> hooks it on a half uh cordell spot you know gets that thing and just gets it and that fish just comes right to the boat i scoop them the fish never knew what happened it was like 11 and a half pounder one of the, you oh know, my goodness one of the and this guy you know he's excited and stuff and i'm thinking this guy doesn't deserve it. You know, all these, all the rest of us are paying our dues. And this guy just, just falls in his lap. That fish turns, I mean, it's 360 on the dial. It goes any other direction except right at us. No way. It's just gone. Amazing. But, I mean, just, it just turns down a boat. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Was that the biggest fish that you caught on fork or had in your boat in fork? No, I caught a 12.5. That was a, you know, a similar goofy story. It was early February and, I had been catching them pretty well, and I told my brother I had a day off on Sunday, and I said, man, let's go out there. We're going to catch them pretty good. And I love flipping jigs on, on the Creek Channel. That You know, it's this time of year, January, early February, before the crowds get out there. When like the flipping good. that standing timber with a slow-falling jig? Yeah, it's a half ounce, and, and they're usually suspended in it, or they'll be in the root balls, too, depending how deep it is. And this was, you know, it was after a few cold fronts. It's It's way out there. So they're – they're just the big fish in the bends of the creek will get out there. So we're talking like 20 feet in the bottom of the creek, 14 on the side. So early pre-spawn. And, you know, it's, it's like any time you tell your buddy, come on, let's go. It, it, it's pretty good. 
well, they're not fighting. And it's the cold front's kind of sinking in a little more. He's like, man, I, I, I want to try to at least catch a couple. I'm like, ah, you know, I got fish all week. Let's wrap it. I'm just like, come on, let's run over this other creek. Let's, I just want to catch at least one. We go in there, flip into a couple trees, and I finally get a bite. Think it just it goes down like four feet, hit it, set the hook. It's like a one pounder. Go down a few more trees, same thing. I catch like three like this. Just pitch in the tree, goes down about four feet, dink, set it, bring them right to you, it digs. I'm like this, this sucks. Like we gotta go. We got a few bites. Go to the next tree, pitch in there, goes down like three feet, dink, set the hook. Another little one, right? I'm like this sucks, you know? All of a sudden this thing comes up. What's well, it's a twelve five? This thing grabs the bait and same thing, just like comes right at me. All of a sudden it comes up a boat and it's like jaws at the side. And I stomach it down at a braid and I start screaming, get the neck, get the neck, get the neck, get the neck. <laughs> Frantically, he saw it out of the corner of his eye. He's thinking it's like a six pounder. Like, what? why is he so excited about a six? And there are like three other boats around us. And I'm just screaming, get the neck, get the neck, get the neck. Not just hanging on and it's not going anywhere. He scoops it like in record time. And this fish, once it gets in the boat, it's, it's going crazy and wound up, but I mean, same thing. No epic fight. It's just that fish turns and goes back into the tree off to the side. I don't care. 65 pound braid and a flip stick. It's just gone. One more fish order, but it was my day to, to catch that one. Wow. To catch a big one like that, like close quarters. It, it, that's so sick, dude. Like it's, I don't know. That's, that's gotta be one of the coolest ways to catch a absolute beast. And the crazy thing is like, I'm guessing the water wasn't like crystal clear. So like you said, you didn't realize how big it was until it was like right Exploding. there. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a pleasant surprise. And that's the neat thing about fork. That's on the slow days, any, any of those classic fisheries like that, any given cast, right? You just never, you can, you can have been skunked all day and all of a sudden it warms up a little bit, two o'clock and you get on the right deep spot or channel bend, or you come on the flat and they move up. And that next hour will be one of the best hours of your life. So it's crazy. That was at least, you know, if you're, if you're on, you know, just, a, I don't know, it's some random tournament lake where a, a 12 pound bag wins it. Yeah. You may catch, get into a little school of pound halfers and be fun, but at fork, it's just always that unknown of, and especially if you're flipping jigs, throwing a swim bait, something like that. It's like, you just know that, it, it could be your time. So it definitely keeps you interested. It keeps you going. Oh yeah. That's like, you could have a moment that you remember the rest of your life. You know, if you're fishing Lake Hartwell or something like that, you might blast them, you know, but there's not going to be like, you're not going to remember it. Like, like catching big fish like that. There's nothing like big fish like that. Yeah. Uh, is flipping your favorite technique, dude, if you had one technique that you just like, that you love that you look to do or, or uh, not really like you're a well-rounded fisherman, but what's your, what's your favorite way to catch them? Yeah, the, uh, I guess I'm most locked in. If I can flip to a target, I can just visualize it every time, whether it's a dock or a lay down, isolate clumps of grass or something. That's, you, you can, your mind, you just stay engaged the whole time. Even if you happen, like stuff looks juicy, you're flipping cedar trees or something. It's like everyone, you can tell you, you can convince yourself that this is the one. Oh, okay, this fork. Okay, it's in that fork tree. Oh, that bush is thicker. It's this one. If you're blind casting a, a you know, a, a general or something like that, just after the flats. After a while, if you've got 30 minutes without a bite, you're like, ah, I think they're here, but I'm not sure if they're eating it. So, yeah, that's probably my most confident one. Uh, favorite, you know, winding a, a, a chatterbait, though, is, you know, bladed jig. That's, I don't know, it, submerged grass, you know, hydrilla, just going around doing that. That's probably my favorite way to catch them. Just, 
uh, it used to be chunk and wine at a spinnerbait, and it's just if I can catch them and just keep running down a flat or something and just steadily catch them like that, that's that's probably my favorite way to get them. Do you have like it like is there something that you do differently than other folks, or do you have like one tip to make our listeners better with a, a chatterbait or us better with a chatterbait? One 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 thing you do differently? I definitely throw in some erratic movement. I mean, the thing's always uh, it's always you know it, it's vibrate moving all the time. I fish it a lot like a jig, and that used to be going back to the, the lipless cranks where I do that a lot. But it's you visualize it. Uh, you can do it with swim jig stuff too, but you get you get the combination of a jig and a moving bait at once. So if you throw it into a lay down or something, throw it in there, let that thing kind of glide down, and then you get that reaction bite. Then you can fish it and say what the follows, kind of stop it. Now that's when you know the minnow baits, all those type trailers are great. A lot of times the the twin tails, I use a creature hog on the back on the back a lot. Or a creature bar. hog. Yeah, so like a jig trailer, you get a little more glide with it, especially if I'm trying to keep it up high. It just glides, you know, it's a flat bait, and it's uh, it'll glide more. So when it goes down, huh. you get that that gliding fall. But that's really that's when I can fish it on a combination of a a jig and a moving bait. So you get both of those. That's cool, dude. I like yeah, that. It's yeah, it's unique. I think we talked about chatterbait trailers last week a little bit, dude. And the creature hog was definitely not mentioned. I've, you know, I've, I've thrown a lot of swimming craws on the back, but not so much like that straight uh, creature style bait. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm, that's cool. Uh, hey, to turn the page to another subject, Rob, you were talking about how good Tom is with fish care uh, before Tom got on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. It's impressive how you, uh, catch the fish, know how big he is, let, let him go and then go and get him before weigh in. That's, uh, that's the, the best fish care I've ever seen. It's so oh much better God. than the live well. Oh yeah. Yeah. You don't want to beat him up in the live well all day. That'd be terrible. Have you seen that video, Nick? <laughs> yeah. Tom, uh, do, do you mind going through the story for the listeners? And I'm, I'm sure they can go watch afterwards, but I, we, we love how you posted it. You were, you were cool enough to post it and let us all kind of uh, just Poke feel your pain you. yeah. when that happened. What yes. was that, two years ago? Uh, that, was, that was the last tournament this year, right before COVID, and I made the, I made the day three cut. So if I, if I don't catch that fish, you know, if I don't recapture them, I, probably, I don't know if I'm posting <laughs> that letter or not. That was, <laughs> <laughs> True, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Just – Day one caught them pretty well. I went to, uh, I had a, a spot where I could get uh, a limited spots pretty quickly, and I was getting the better ones, like two pound spots. So at Lake, this is Lake Martin last year in Alabama, and it's uh, if you can get a ten pound limit, you, you're going to get a check. Anything like that's great. So I got a, a ten pound limit pretty quick. Went flipping largemouth, caught two big ones. Now I'm, I'm top ten or something like that. Day one is pretty easy. I go back day two. And my spot limit hole, man, it's a lot more grind. And it's, you know, I'm still getting some bites. And you get in the ones where they're flirting with us. And then you get them on, you lose them. And it's, it's like, I just got to get five fish. Any five fish, I'm getting a check. And then if I can, then I can relax and, and catch them a little bit. I can make the cut, try to make a run of winning it, all that. Well, I finally, I, I grind out a limit. And I'm like, oh, man, you know, I'm just, so at least I'm, I'm good for a check now. And then I go to a stretch where I caught a, a number of spots, good-sized ones. I'm using the old power swimmer. And there's one spot where there's a couple big lay-down trees there. I go by that. I caught 
one of my bigger ones at practice, like a great big spot there, like a three-pound spot, which is good there, and go by it. And sure enough, I come by that tree and do a little stop and go with it. It, it must have been out of deep bed or something. I catch that fish, and now I'm pumped. I'm all excited about it. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm fishing tomorrow now. You know, I'm hitting cut. Now, you know, I'm thinking I'm headed up north. I'm going to flip largemouth the rest of the day. Not, you know, these guys look out. I'm, I'm ready to win this day, right? Here it comes. And, and there's no, there's no marshals because COVID and they're just desperately saying, Hey, we want coverage. And uh, I mean, it's, you know, the game, it's half about catching them, but half about uh, promoting and for your sponsors. Well, here's a great chance. Take a, take a selfie, send this in. It'll be one of the only pictures that day gets promoted out there. All these sponsors love it. So sure enough, I mean, I'm in a good mood. I've got four hours more fishing. No problem. Take a selfie of it, hold it up. Like you always do. I don't set this fish back in the water. It's just like one of those that, like a lake fork, it's like one more five pounder or whatever. Take a picture, and I just like toss him like whatever. Unbelievable! Unbelievable! And all of a sudden, it hits me as it's going head first in the water, like, oh my god! <laughs> and it just flopped over me. <laughs> I mean, it, oh my gosh! It is. It's. I can't equate anything else in my life to. Uh, like, I, I don't know, if somebody, like, deep pants you in front of the entire college classroom or something like that would only be, like, the same sort of docking up. I mean, it, it, oh, my gosh, so bad. And, and it took a while for me to, to uh, recover, and then it's like, okay, a positive mindset. You know, you catch them. I caught a few before it, and you just got to catch another one. You just got to get past this, and there's other good ones out there. And, and the part that I always giggle about, I don't even remember doing it, but I – when I go back into fishing, I just like spank myself for doing it. It's like I had to like physically take that aggression. <laughs> That's what everybody talks it's about. It's on video, spank. yeah. Hilarious. Uh, and that kind of cleared my mind. And then to grind the rest of the day and, and the largemouth out working. And I'm like, oh man, you know, gold, you know, it is. When you're gifted, when you start out day one, it's, uh, I mean, it's almost more pressure at that point. Like you don't get those opportunities all the time, you're in contention. So now it's starting to like, man, like just keep it together and you're starting to get upset with yourself and coming back again, I have to run by that spot and I see it. I whip in over there. I'm like, that fish has got to be out of bed. It's dumb enough. It bit twice. A number of the spots that I caught were ones, they were the exact same spot. It's too deep to see them, but it's like, it's got to be a bad fish or resident that's really aggressive. So I go by there and I make the same cast. Same bait. Reel it by. Oh yeah. It was a power swimmer in practice. It was power swimmer on catch one, and then same deal. I throw it right by him, and sure enough, dunk hits it. I'm like, and it's coming at me, so it's the same deal. It's not fighting very much. I'm like, be this fish, be this fish, be the fish. And it's just, I don't have a ton of time, and I'm not going to screw out the net, and I just reel him. I think I had like eight pound, like trialing or something. It's not even big line. I just like bring him in, and it's like, that's the same fish. And it's, people say, how do you know it's the same one? I mean, this is the same log. I mean, there's not many three powders down there. That was a yeah. stupid spot. And as I told people afterwards, I may be really stupid, but thank God spotted bass are even dumber. I mean, they truly, they get caught. I'm sure that fish that either swim back to that log or somebody caught them as a release fish right next to there and probably caught them every day since. I mean, they are just, thank God for spots, huh? That's hilarious. They're, yeah. all, you know, we talked about it with Matt Lee, dude. And like, there are times when they can get temperamental and do weird things and suspend, but like certain spots and certain lakes, like you take Table Rock, for example, they're always there for you. Like uh, oh, yeah. you could be struggling with everything else. 
and you can always go catch spots, dude, and, and almost as many as you want. Uh, yeah, that's and you saw that in the last couple of years with those dots down there. And, you know, smallmouth do the same thing sometimes. Sometimes it'll drive you crazy because they flirt with that jerk bait or your power swimmer every single cast. But there are other days where you see that blob out there. And I'll set mine out to 120, 135 feet. And it's like I turn up, I shut off all the, all the filters and stuff. So it looks like a mess. There's dots and stuff all over it. But I'm just looking for blobs. And that's how it kind of was with Martin uh, in pre-practice, especially. That's where I knew these spots weren't too educated. <laughs> You'd see them out there. And as long as you put that bait up above them, I mean, all of a sudden, here comes your bait across the screen, and that fish is like a missile. It looks like somebody just, like, lit off a surface-to-air missile. It's like, and it, though it, it's like a topwater. You just don't want to set the hook before it gets there. But, I mean, they are a hell-bet coming for it. And if you don't, don't, and if they miss it, I mean, they're going to hit it three times. So that's we cool. need more fisheries. Like, <laughs> well, dude, that's a, that is a cool fishery because it's so big. And there are so many, like, it's a massive body of water. Um, and yeah. there are so many fish in there. Like, there are probably more spotted bass in that lake than there are bass in most lakes in the country. Like, there are so many fish in there. So, it would be hard for them to be super pressured just because it's so massive and there's so many of them. Like, a lot of those fish have never been caught, right? Oh, yeah. They, they totally acted like that. And, then, and we were there early enough. So, it was before, you know, COVID had hit and they were getting more pressure. But it's pretty remote. And you, you instantly can tell when you go to a fishery if you – you fish it a few times. Like these are pressured. Like we always joked about the fork fish. I mean, they knew the, the page of the Bass Pro catalog that the bait was on. It's like, oh, that's seriously that's last year's <laughs> model. Like that's going red hook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, and they knew all that. For other lakes, it's just like it hits the water. Those fish aren't spooking, or the trolling motor runs. They're like, what's that? Ooh, it's something to play with. And Martin was it set up last year like that for sure. No kidding. We had someone come on and talk about how uh, COVID has really made the fishing a lot tougher. Was that on this show or was that someone else's show that I did? Was that on this show, guys? Yeah, I think it was um, uh, Matt Lee was talking about that. Yeah. Okay. He was just saying like In since Alabama. COVID hit, the, it literally has made an impact on, yeah, Gunnersville, I think, right? or, or Gunnersville or um, where he is, Smith. Smith, gotcha. Is it Smith Mountain? Is that what the, what's the uh, name Smith of that lake? Smith Lake. Lewis Smith Lake. Lake. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, he just, he, he really thinks like just the extra pressure from COVID has made fishing significantly tougher, which makes sense. I can, I can see that a hundred percent. Tom, I was, uh, I was looking through your Instagram. It looks like you have a son that's fishing in the high school stuff. Oh yeah. How, uh, I mean, is that, is he eating up with it or is that it? How did he get into it? And obviously we understand how he got into it because you're in it, but uh, just talk about him. that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he he likes doing it. He's not uh, I w he's not hardcore just begging to go all the time. He likes to go. He likes to catch fish. And he's doing pretty well in high school. I think he's third uh, or fourth in the, the season standings now. So, at, you know, as a freshman, it's uh, I think half the appeal is you, know, you grow up around it. So your dad fishes all the time. You don't think of anything. Like, oh, we get to go to a nice boat. Like, his friends are all excited about it. He's like, oh, whatever. It's just right. a boat. And That's fishing to him. Yeah, yeah. But, like, once he figured out that all of a sudden you do well, and then you get to go up on stage, and, like, you've got more than everybody else. Heck, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whatever, especially he's in high school now, so, like, social standing is a big deal. 
was like, yeah, this is kind of cool. It, it, you know, Kesha is great, but getting to go on stage and then like act like, oh yeah, we lost a few, we could have won this thing. You know, he's already fallen into that. Like every other, every one of us, you know, like, oh, I, I should have won it today, or man, I had the big fish on to win it. <laughs> so are you giving him tips on what to say on stage and and like, uh, yeah, how to how how to get around these things or through these things? Now they, it, it's funny they kind of figured it out pretty quick. You know, it's the you you kind of downplay if you do well, you kind of downplay. Oh man, it wasn't that great, and you know that the alibis are all it's in all of us, you don't catch him. We, you know, the, we all have a thousand excuses why we didn't catch him. So that's a hotel fishing with him and getting to, uh, to do the high school deal. It's the, the, the number of people, I mean, just the sheer number of people that are doing it. It's, it's pretty incredible. It's, I don't know, bass fishing is, uh, I don't know, maybe at some point people, when you sit on an airplane and you tell somebody to fish, it'll be the in 20 years of it. Like they'll have seen it or know something about it instead of just that look like, you told yeah. me that you or something. Yeah. I hear that. That's cool. And he's a ball player too, isn't he? Yeah. So baseball is what he, you know, that's kind of his love and he's pretty good at that. And now of course his, his next tournament falls on, he made the high school team and his second game uh, falls or his next tournament falls on when his second game is. So he's already, he already kind of approached the coach. He's like, eh, you know, we're like, third fourth in the standings and kind of like to fish it and the coach said ah, we'll talk to you when we get about it when we get a little closer so i don't know we may uh That's have cool. to flip a on. At least i remember what position day. does was... he play all right so he pitches plays second base cool yeah Heck yeah. Yeah. That's a tough one, man. If, 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 if the coach lets him go, that is one cool understanding coach. You know, I, I came to that sticking point when I was in high school and uh, there, that, that wasn't going to happen. Like I had to, I had to quit the team, dude, if I wanted to fish, man, and I did. Uh, but that wasn't like, he wasn't about to be like, uh, Hey, go ahead and fish the tournament. He was Boyd's coach also in high school. And uh, they went because he was one of the reasons they went to that school. He's a great coach, but uh yeah, he wasn't going to let someone sneak off to a bass tournament. If if that coach allows your son to do that, he is a cool dude. Yeah, that, yeah. That shows you how old I am, Tom. My son was coached by the same coach Josh was. So, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it starts to get home. Yeah, we'll get. I'll get a little older. Yeah. Hey, uh, so who uh, who do you travel with uh, now at the tournaments, Tom? Yeah, some guy you probably heard of him. He, he's he catches them every once in a while. Uh, John Cox, you ever ever heard of him? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds familiar. Okay, yeah. perfect, dude. See, yeah, you can see the freak show. Yeah, him. Uh, him every every uh, every week saying, "Ah, oh, not not on very good, not on very good." And just go out and like, "Oh, top ten again." Huh? I, don't, I don't know what happened. Freak show. That's exactly what it is. It's amazing, dude. Tell us about staying with him. Like, what's it? What? Uh, what's he like off the water, man? Is and, and yeah, he just is just a natural, isn't he? Yeah, he. Uh, you know, he, he he's super happy go lucky guy. What you see on when he's cutting up and stuff, it's not an act. He's he's just a fun guy to hang out with. Loves to go fishing. A lot of us kind of put it up or, or burn out a little bit. John, when he's home, every time I, like, wow, I don't know if he can fish every tournament this year. He wants to fish every single day. He feels like he doesn't fish one day. He just gets out of his rhythm. So he is super hardcore about it. He gets pretty serious when he gets on the water. And he just comes at it from a little bit different uh, vantage point. You know, fish with a lot of confidence. Just keeps a 
very open mind when he goes out there. Practice kind of kind of goes out the window. Uh, I don't know. He's don't let him fool you though. That he's not super sharp. He'll he'll uh, he laughs and oh you know I just kind of lucked into it. But he'll have this little nuance or he picks up. All the good guys are like that. Just the little subtleties yep. make a difference, and he gets clued into it like so quickly. So he's uh like I said, don't let him fool you. The guy's sharp as can be. Yeah. That makes makes sense. I mean, it's not it's not luck. You don't see someone dominate like that by by sheer luck. You know, it's a uh, Jordan's the same way. Like, uh, you see how hard Jordan like Jordan gets off the water and says, "Oh, you know, it was just you know it just happened. It was you know makes it sound like it was just easy. He just stumbled into him, but that that guy works so hard and competes so hard, and he's so soft spoken. No one really knows how competitive he is." But uh, he's an animal on the water, and uh, he's you know people. It's it's hard to see that when you just you, you hear him talking. He's he's so easygoing, and I, I would imagine John's probably the same way. I've never fished the same tour as John, so I I, I just know him from seeing him. At, I've seen him at a few events and chat with him here and there, but I, I hardly know him. Yeah, he is the clear. He doesn't fish a ton of techniques, but he'll he'll claim that you know for a while the bit was he did electronics and stuff, but he can go catch him on electronics. And he proved that last year with smallmouth as well as most. He just it's it's hard to describe to non fishermen what what makes some of the guys great, and even to, to other fishermen. And the only like other job or something to me that kind of logically makes sense is a detective. And I think the great ones are kind of like Sherlock Holmes. They can take a few things and and put it all together. The problem is you see the people that get falsely imprisoned and some of the second-rate detectives. They get a couple leads, and all of a sudden it's like, well, the the spouse had an insurance policy on him and didn't really like him, so they start leaping to conclusions. And as soon as they get two little facts, and they jump to a conclusion that, well, it must have been the spouse. And then they build a whole case around it. And then 20 years later, like, DNA evidence comes out. And like, no, it wasn't even their DNA. And it was a total false contract. What a comparison. Holy <laughs> crap, dude. Yeah. We do, we do the same thing. I mean, it's like sometimes you get, like, a chatterbait bite and a spinnerbait bite and all of a sudden you're just in your mind like oh they're moving up or, or something and then you follow it and the, that leads you down this crazy path of the tournament where you jump to conclusions the great ones kind of take it all in i want to see the whole lake i'm going to flip a little bit i'm going to try deep i'm going to try the clear water all this it just all washes through them and 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 the good guys uh put it together and put together some good stuff the the ones that are fantastic like you said the jordan lees the john coxes and stuff they're the Sherlock Holmes, and all of a sudden they take three random pieces, and they put they they just see the, the map lay out where the rest of us are like. Once they say it, you're like, "What? Well, well, duh!" And it's so obvious, but you know, in the moment, it's hard to see it. And that's to me, that's the only other job that 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 really comes close to kind of what fishing is. I love that Amazing. analogy, dude. It's spot on. And it's so easy to get locked into something when you, it's, there's such a lesson to be learned there. It's so easy to get locked into the first clue or two that you get. And like, that's something I try to always follow, especially in practice is like, Hey, no matter how good you think that is, like it's too early to completely latch onto that. It's just, it's too early to, to go down that path. Cause that's burned me a bunch of times, especially early on, man. So what we've learned is instead of watching fishing shows, we need to watch CSI and Sherlock Holmes and uh, <laughs> forget, the, forget back and, uh, all the, all the fishing magazines, huh? 
I love it. CSI Miami, man. <laughs> CSI Lake Fork. Yeah. Unfortunately, those it's dumbing down too. Where almost every time they just take like a blue light and shine around the room and like everything's just laid out. And unfortunately, that's the you watch the tournament show, it's the same thing. And you see the guy on day three who's already landed on him. And that uh, you know, all of a sudden you think, Oh wow, this is really easy and real simple. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh well dude, hey, that's awesome. Uh who do you a totally different subject, but who do you have in in the Super Bowl, man? Are you a football fan? I, I do follow it. You know, I'm kind of hardcore baseball, but it's hard to hard to not to follow football. And since uh, I don't know, I grew up a kid of the '70s, and the Cowboys were good. So I don't know. Ever since the '90s, it's it's hard to even watch football. The football season's usually over in September down here most years. <laughs> yeah, it's I don't know. It's it's gonna be it's a, it's one for the ages. I don't, Kansas City reminds me of that those '90s Cowboys teams. It just seems like they are. You just can't – you pick your poison. You can't stop on offense. They have too many different ways to go. And then the defense is put pretty legit and it gets minimized with the uh, how good the offense is. Yeah. You know, it's a quirky game and it's a random 10-pounder or a random tip ball might, might do it. But uh, I wouldn't bet against Kansas City. They've looked much more solid all year long than the Bucks have. You know, the Bucks definitely have weapons too, but uh, I'm with you. It, who knows if Mahomes will, will have the longevity that Brady did, but, uh, dude, he's off to an unbelievable start. But just the storyline of having Mahomes against Brady is uh, is so cool. Like, it's uh, it's incredible. Feels like passing of the torch, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah, it really does. I can't wait and to watch. And as usual, it, it seems like every year on a kickoff event, it's like practice. Now, I guess it'll be the night because we started practice on Monday. So, of course, Super Bowl, it seems like always – you're racing in, and it's like you don't want to shortchange your practice, but it's always uh, you're missing a practice day watching the, the Super Bowl. But, or, you know, part of it, it's like you don't you, you catch the second half. But, I, yeah, I guess this year I can actually sit down and watch it and, and uh, enjoy it a little bit. Good. You'll be home, huh? Well, I'll be in Florida. It'll be the uh, – Oh, but you're on Eastern time? Pardon me? Because you'll be on Eastern time, you'll be able to catch the game? Well, yeah, practice because now practice is Monday, Tuesday. It used to be Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Now it's just Monday, Tuesday, so I can gotcha. kick back, watch the game, and then go start the real Super Bowl the next day. So. <laughs> nice, dude. I like it. Right on. Uh, and hey, before we let go, let you go. How about baseball? Who's your baseball team? Rangers. Yeah, I picked. A, you know, I grew up there again, a, a TV fan, and the Cubs were the local team. <laughs> they were they were god awful, historically awful. So. I, I I followed uh, like Dwight Gooden and uh, Daryl Strawberry, my role models growing up, and that's kind of where you, you learn that your role models, the great players, aren't necessarily role models. It's, it's a little bit different, but uh, that's a that's a great thirty for thirty if you see those guys. But yeah, I, I follow the Rangers. I've actually I've fished with the, a few of the Rangers, and I'm in my glory right now. I'm my two favorite things growing up were fishing and baseball, and now my son's you know playing baseball. I get a throw batting practice and stuff when I'm home. That's a neat deal of, uh, as you know, the, the tournament gig, you're gone in big chunks, but when you're home, you get to play super dad. You're kind of available. You work around totally. the schedule. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's fun times right now. Yeah. Who, nice. who are the ball players you fished with, man? Uh, I took Ian Kinsler a number of years ago. So here, uh, uh, the, the best part, I got hooked up with Ian and, you know, he's, 
three-time all-star and, and good dude, likes to fish and stuff. And he basically said, man, uh, you know, if you, you might hook up for fishing, I can, I can hook you up on baseball. You know, obviously I'm thinking I can get all the, the seats and stuff I want. Literally like a week after we fished, he got traded to Detroit. So if you're kidding me, right? That's just like somebody that's karma for, I, I don't know what I did. Something as a teenager, I picked on some kid or bullied somebody. And just paid me. <laughs> it's all the fish bullying you do. I feel like fishermen get the worst karma, but then you think about it. It's like, well, your job is to like impale innocent animals. Just trying oh, to don't live even their go life. there. Nick. <laughs> <laughs> don't even go there. That is funny, dude. That's hilarious. Does, Hey, does uh, Scott Casimir pitch for the Rangers? Does not, no. No? Okay. No. I had thought he had been traded over there right on. Uh, well, that is funny, man. Yeah, your, your tickets. Uh, you're like, hey, anyone else on the team uh, like to fish? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've got, a, we've got a catcher that just made the big leagues with the Rangers from the Phoenix area. Um, his last name is Huff. Do you remember him coming up last year? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sam Huff. Yeah, Sam Huff. Yeah, my, my son played with him quite a bit here, so. Oh, really? that's cool. Yeah, good kid. Yeah, if he wants to fish over here, put him in touch. And then Taylor Hearns, he actually – so uh, boy made good. He, he's the only kid at the, the high school that my son goes to that has his number retired. His dad was the first African-American rodeo guy. So this uh, – Taylor grew up rodeoing, and you talk about kind of, uh, you know, just a country redneck like all of us. And he, uh, he made it to the bigs, got drafted by Pittsburgh, and got traded around. He's now back with the Rangers. He's got a shot at making the uh, – rotation this year and trying to get out with him uh, again next week so we'll see very cool awesome, nice. man that's cool couple couple new guys to root for when you know they're fishermen you, you like them even a little bit more oh yeah it, it turns out a lot of them are it's kind of you know golfers that the pga have always been but there are a lot of those guys more salt water but it sounds like a lot of the a lot of baseball players big time fishermen big time big time well hey uh yeah, dude, it's, it's been, go ahead go ahead it's just the, uh, the, uh, when he was talking about the, uh, driving through the, the, the defenseless animals, all that stuff, I heard the, uh, I'd always thought, like, <laughs> yes, bring it back. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's a great topic to get on. But I always, like, have this bit going through my mind when I hear the morning prayer at some time. At some point, somebody's going to get up there and, and ask. And it's always, you know, great things to ask for to protect us all and help with COVID and first responders and stuff. But I'm just waiting for somebody to say, dear Lord, please let me drive that hook through through that fish's skull while he's sitting there and, yeah. and get a hook, you know, while he's trying to do breakfast in the morning. And you could make like the, the, the craziest satirical uh, morning prayer. So it's, uh, yeah, that's Tom. It, I love Dude, that. That's that a thought that you've had. <laughs> Dude, Tom, you, you and I could have a great time. I know we're just meeting for the first time, but I think we'll be lifelong friends. But all I'm thinking of, are you familiar with the movie Old School, but Talladega Nights? Oh, yeah, of course. Dude, remember when they're saying grace before their Domino's pizza and their Mountain Dew? And he's, like, thanking them for, like, the new delicious and nutritious Mountain Berry-flavored Powerade yeah. that sponsored this dinner. Well, he's actually obligated to mention it in, in all grace, he said, yeah. <laughs> Even in his prayers. Oh, yeah. There could be a <laughs> Will Ferrell. If he did a pro bass fishing movie, there's so much fodder there. I tell you, we oh, know some guys the that would be endless. Be perfect for him to imitate. Yeah, be hilarious. <laughs> uh, well, Love you'll it. be in charge of saying the morning prayer before blast off in 2021. That's my vote. There you go. Instead of eight pound baby Jesus, we need uh, eight pound. <laughs> 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 
Lord. Give me, Lord, give me the uh, the clarity not to throw back after I catch him, please. Lord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, we're all Dude. going to hell, but it'll be fun there. <laughs> you all were the great, man. Be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you guys have anything else for Tom before uh, we let him roll? No, just good luck this next season and uh, safe travels and catch some fish, man. Yeah, thanks for hopping on, brother. You left us on a high note, man. I'm going to be chuckling all day. That's good stuff. So thank you for that. My pleasure. I, I, I've gotten into the podcast driving cross country. It was such a the old days of trying to find a radio station, then you got XM and all that. Now it's uh, listen to podcasts. So I, I've tuned in to listen to a bunch of them. And uh, the fishing talk's great, but the chuckles about uh, old school and all sorts of crazy fishing stories getting me across the road. So keep up the great podcast. Wow. We're listening. Thank you, Thank man. You. Yeah, and hey, we'd love Thank to have you, you again, yeah. dude. We didn't get to a lot of a lot of stuff that I even had written down. So uh, hopefully, uh, we'll we'll snatch you again uh, after you win uh, win a tournament here in a, in a month or two. Hell yeah! Catch them twice, and I'll I'll really impress everybody. So yeah. Oh heck <laughs> yeah, man. yeah! Just make sure they're on a bed if you're going to do that again, just like you did the first time. You pick the right fish to throw back. I mean, there. <laughs> hey, that's a one in a million. There's there are. I mean, th that fish has to be on a bed. If it's not on a bed. You're never catching it again. Yeah, hilarious. Well, great, man. Thanks so much, and uh, and have a uh, a good last week off, and good luck at Okeechobee, dude. Thanks. See you guys soon. See you, See you man. Thanks again for listening to the show, guys. Big thanks to Tom for coming on, and as always, we appreciate you guys tuning in every single week. Don't forget about the contest going on. Send us a question. Um, don't forget we've got apparel in our store on the website, and uh, we will be back at you next week. I'll be coming at you from Lake Havasu. Hope you can all get on the water this week. Spring fishing is coming. We will talk to you soon.